All right, hey guys. Listen up, I'm gonna get started. I'm gonna talk a little longer, but we'll get you out of here on time. So, anyways, my name's Kyle. Nice to meet you guys. I'm excited that you guys are here. Uh, let's go ahead and turn to the person next to you and tell them that God has something for you. Yes, you guys weren't ready for that, were you? You guys were like, come on, Um, some of you guys said it with your mouth full, like, yeah. Um, that's funny. But I have a couple jokes for you guys. I'm not good at them, so I got to read them. And that's, we'll see how they go. So, uh, so why does a pitcher, pitcher in baseball, raise one leg when he throws the ball? I don't know. If he raises both, he'd fall down. <laughs> All right, where do you keep the largest diamond in New York? Yankee Stadium. You guys aren't going to get this unless you're baseball. All right, hey, so here's, here's my last one. A man leaves home, right? He leaves home, he makes three left turns, and on his way back home, when he notices two men in a mask waiting for him. The umpire and the catcher. All right. And if you don't play baseball, you're like, yeah, that's Anyways, uh, I played baseball in college. I played football in high school. Sports was my life, um, and that that was it. Sports was my life, um, and so I can relate with a lot of you guys who play sports. Some of you guys may not. That's totally fine. Um, but what I'm talking about today is transformation, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my story and how God transformed my life. Um, I do want to say thank you to a couple people. Uh, I want to say thank you to my wife Megan and my two little girls over there. Give him a round of applause. I want to say thank you to Corey. She's our other leader at FCA. Give her a round of applause. I want to say thank you to my mom. My mom's really here, I swear. She's in the back right there. And then also all of our volunteers. So just give everybody a round of applause. Awesome, guys. Uh, and this isn't the first time my mom showed up with me at school. I was uh, not the best kid in junior high and high school. And my mom actually came to school with me to help me be a better kid. Would that be embarrassing for some of you guys? Like if your mom just went to every class with you guys? Be kind of that, that was me. So I'm going to share my story. And it's, it starts my sophomore year in high school. Big year, right? Sports is, sports is my life. Um, but I'm at a party, right? And I'm on drugs at a party. And I fall in a ditch and crack my head. I have 12 staples in my head. You can still kind of see them. The guy who faded me up, he actually is like, oh, that's nice. Let's, let's incorporate that. So anyways, um, so I fall in this ditch and I crack my head. And I'm looking up at my friends. And I was scared. I didn't know what had happened. Um, 
I was I was honestly in a scared spot. I told I told the you know the parent that was at the house I need to go to the hospital. My head's bleeding, and uh, my parents picked me up. And on the way there, they said, "Kyle, what happened? Tell us." And all I could say was, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." And doctor said I would never never play sports again since I hit my head on this side. This eye was really really dilated, really really big. And it wasn't supposed to be normal for another two to three weeks. And so when they said I wouldn't be able to play football or baseball, I was, you can imagine, I was devastated. I was broken. And some of you guys maybe have been, had injury or you've had a, a low point in your life. Maybe it was a divorce in your family. Maybe it was, uh, you know, you just, there's, everybody's been at some point at a low point in their life. And so that's where I was, just like many of you guys. You guys, a lot of you guys have been there. And, uh, And I reached out to God. My dad gave me a verse, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you'll call upon me when I listen to you, when you seek me with all your heart. And so I knew that God had a, had a plan for my life. And that I just needed to seek him with all of my heart and not just some of it. Right? And so that's what I did. I said, God, I promise I'll never do drugs again. I can't promise I'll never smoke or drink again. I was just being real, right? I was being honest. And and I, I said, God, give me a second chance. Give me a chance to play sports. Later that week, we go to the doctor, and the doctor checks my eyes, or he take, takes out my staples. And then I said, hey, can you check my eyes, see if my eyes are doing better, if they're dilated? And he said, he looks at him, and he looks at him again. And then he says to my dad, he says, your son's eyes are normal. My first question was, why I be able to play football? And he's like, well, yeah, with some CAT scans, possibly we'll be able to, you know, you may be able to play sports again. And so I walked out of there and I said, Dad, God healed my head. Like, that was the first time God had become real to me. Right? I grew up in the church. I heard all the stories. And I would just sit there. Right? I, so I heard them all. But it wasn't, like, real to me. Right? It wasn't real. And that was the first time I was like, wow, like, God, God is real. There's a real God who loves me and he cares about me. And he heard me. And that's that's when everything started to change. My, we moved two weeks later up to Washington State, met some great friends, started living my life differently. We had two great years of, of sports, got certain state in football and top five in baseball. My senior year is great, right? But sports continued to be a part of my life, a part of my identity. Um, so that's that's my first like kind of, the cool thing about God is he's always writing your story. He's never done, right? He's, he's always writing your guys' story. Um, so fast forward after college, great college career. I had a friend say, hey, what are you doing after college? And I said, I don't know. He said, why don't you go on this world race thing? I said, what's that? I said, he said, where well, you go to 11 countries in 11 months. I was like, that sounds kind of fun. And I was thinking about maybe trying to play baseball in Australia or some other places. But I was like, you know what? Like, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. So that's what I did. And I went to these 11 countries in 11 months. I ended up meeting my wife. So that was probably the best part about everything um, was that I met my wife, Megan. Um, that's another story. I'll have to share that. That's, that's a good one. Um, but during, I think it was month five, we were in Thailand. And we were working with uh, refugees from Burma and then also working with prisoners who were like transitioning into the real world. And, and I don't speak Thai. The only thing I know how to say is Swatika, which is like, thank you, I think. I don't even know. And is it Thai? Yeah, she's like, yeah, that's not right. 
Um, but that's all I know how to say. So, so, but anyways, I was, we were helping um, with these prisoners in their transition into the real world. And this one guy, his name's P, P. Mai, and uh, they put a P in front of everyone. They have like, it's like a sir or mister, basically. And I was sitting there, and I was like, dude, this guy's got some sweet tattoos. And so I started asking him about his tattoos, his translations, and he's like, oh, yeah, I did this one myself. I was like, really? Well, that's impressive. And uh, I was like, would you give me a tattoo? He's like, yeah, sure. And so I, uh, I go, I, I give this tattoo. So you guys got to leave your seat. Yeah, cool. All right. God bless you guys. All right. So um, I was laying there on the ground getting this tattoo. So I got this love tattoo in Thailand. And they pull out this bamboo stick. And they put some needles at it on it. And the first session was like 10 hours, right? They just take this little bamboo stick and like and I'm sitting there getting this tattoo, and then he pulls out gel pens and undoes them and pulls, puts the ink in the bottom of the water bottle cap. I was like, hold up, is this safe? Like, can you actually put, put ink like in my arm, like that kind of ink? Is that okay? And, and he's like, Thailand tattoo, Thailand tattoo, same thing. Like, it's the same as his other tattoos. Like, all right, like, here we go. Let's do so I, I have on here, love the world. Like, for God to love the world, right? Love people where they're at. doesn't matter where you're at today. God loves you. And I believe that's God's heartbeat. And so that's what I got. And so I'm getting this tattoo. And through this, like, it was like 10 hours. Maybe it was like eight hours the first session. It's a long time. And it was like three hours and two hours. So it was a long, long time for a tattoo. And it's a pretty crazy memory. I was laying there. And one guy's cooking up pad thai in the kitchen. One guy's on the guitar. Playing. And this guy's just um, and and so I start talking to this guy and I say, hey, like, why why did you why did you go to prison? Like, what happened? This is through translation. And he told me he used to be an assassin. Like he used to get high, he hired out to kill people. In my head, I'm thinking like, well, that's why he's so precise with this little, you know, on my head. And. Um, and so, but he tells me that he found he finds Jesus in prison, and and his life forever changed. Now, sitting there thinking, like, man, if this guy can like literally kill people for a living and still give his life to Jesus and be completely made new and a completely new person, like anybody, nobody, like anybody can know Jesus. You, there's nothing you've done wrong, big enough. That God can't forgive you and says, I love you just where you're at. Nothing, no matter what. I want to talk a little bit about God's protection, right? And this is another story. I was on the, I was in, on the little grace. I don't remember what month it was. But we were in Laos. And Laos is right next to Thailand, so it was around there. And Laos is a closed country. It's a closed country. You can't really have Christians there. So we were there trying to find people who are in ministry, which are actually like nonprofits, but their whole goal was to share Jesus with through their, through their nonprofits. So we were there to help kind of find these uh, ministries to bring them support eventually. So they called the unsung hero month. And so we have, we get word of this place like three, four hours away. So me and my buddy, Zach, we rent these motorcycle moped things. We leave early in the morning and 
we're on our way down this hill and our tire pops just and it starts and we start to go back and forth and i'm like dude this is not good because i'm cruising as fast as this thing can go and and all of a sudden i just felt like things just kind of stabilized i don't know how i was like thinking later like maybe there's an angel right or something like there's no way i shouldn't have crashed right and and we pull over and we're like, well, we have a flat tire in the middle of the country. We don't speak the language. And we're out in the middle of nowhere. Like, I mean, nowhere. And people are driving by us. They're driving by us. And I was like, well, what do we do? Like, we're just sitting there. So we just pray, like, God, like, bring somebody. Sure enough, some two, two guys come on board. They happen to be speaking English. They're learning English as a second language. They're in college. We're like, sweet. Like, oh, yeah, we'll go down to this village down here. So we go down to this village. And like we walk the bike down, we walk down this dirt road, and we're out in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, where, where are we, what's going on? And so, anyways, we end up at an actual village, and these are like huts. It's not like Africa huts, but different type of huts, stick huts, kind of. And and they fix our bike, and we're on our way. But before we leave, I realized that we we had pulled over at mile marker 91. And so, I was like, God, what does that mean? So I pray about it. And I realize it's, there's a protection Psalm 91. So I want to read it to you guys. And it says, when you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you, which is like God, you are hidden in his strength of God's most high. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to, my sh- that, to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy, and he will protect you from false accusations and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. He can run under his covering of his majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about the attack of the demonic forces at night, nor have fear of the spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. And it continues to go on, um, and I'm going to pick it up towards the end. And it says, you'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For he is what the Lord has spoken to me, because you love me, delighted in me, and have been my loyal to my, and have been loyal to my name. And I will greatly protect you. And so I share this with you guys. One of my first youth kids, I was in college. I was in college. And uh, this kid, he was struggling with depression, right? Suicide thoughts. And this is a scary fact. Every hour, six people take their life. And by the end of it, by the end of the day, 10 of those people are kids, right? So the mental health crisis in this world is devastating. And we just want to throw pills out. When it's a billion-dollar industry for these pharmaceuticals to push pills. And I'm not saying that those are all bad, but I'm saying there's a true healer, and that healer is Jesus. Right? So this kid, he's tried to take his life, and he's sitting in, he's sitting in jail. Or, no, wrong story. He's sitting in the hospital. And I sent him this psalm. And it changed his life. Changed his life forever. He knew that God wanted to protect him. He knew that God loved him. Right? And and that's a powerful thing to know. Especially when you're at the, the very lowest point of your life if you're willing to take your, 
take your life, right? That's a, that's a scary place to be. So I'm going to finish reading this, and it says, I will answer your cry for help every time you pray. This is God saying, I will answer your cry for every cry, for every help, for every time you pray. And you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. You will feel God's presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. And I will satisfy you with full life and with all that I do for you. For you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. There's a lot of powerful things in that. What I want you to know is no matter what you're going through, God loves you just where you're at. And there's a thing here, right? Be transformed. I've had multiple things in my life that has transformed my life forever, right? God healed me. Meeting somebody who, who used to kill people for a living and him giving his life to Jesus, right? God protecting me. And there's lots of stories that go on and on. And all you guys have stories in your life whether you know it or not, where God's been there. And a lot of you guys maybe are saying like, no, I feel like God's left. I don't feel like he's been there. And so I, I just want to remind you that, that God loves you just where you're at. We got time for another story. Um, I want to talk about, about your identity, right? A lot of you guys, identity is wrapped up in your sports. Your identity is wrapped up in, you know, what people think about you. But what I want to say is, is your identity should be in Christ, right? He loves you just, just the way you are. And I continue to say that because it's true. There was a point in my life, right, where, where I said I knew Jesus, but I wasn't living like I knew Jesus. And then I went back and said, yeah, I'm going to live like I knew Jesus. But then... I still made mistakes, and so I was struggling with what that looked like. And I had a, I had a mentor look at me in the eyes when I had made some serious mistakes, what I call mistakes. And he's like, and he just looked at me, and he's like, man, God loves you. He's like, you're, you're a good son. You're good. And he, he says, that, you know, it's the same thing. You're a good daughter. You're a good son. You're holy. You're righteous. You're pure. No matter what you've done. Like, he loved you. And that was really hard for me to grasp. Because I was like, I just messed up big time. But God still loved me. And he's like, God's love doesn't change based off what we do or what we don't do. He just loves us. And when we realize that truth, that's when we get transformed. That's when we get transformed. We're like, God loves me no matter what. No matter what I do or don't do. No matter if I go to church or don't go to church. No matter, you know, if I swear or do drugs or have sex. Yeah, God loves you. He loves me the same now as he did back when I was making big mistakes. Right? God just loves me. So there's a concept called the butterfly effect. And we, we know butterflies, right? They go through uh, transformation, right? Like they're a caterpillar... Then they turn into a butterfly. But what I want to say is that there's a there's a transformation that happens. It's called the butterfly effect. And that butterfly effect is, is something that 
They say when you make a small, a small decision, right? It says the butterflies in Brazil and it flaps its wings and it has a profound effect and it causes a tornado in Texas. You're like, what? That makes sense. So what it's saying, what, what, what that means is that one small decision, one small action can have a profound effect on the rest of your life. One small, one small thing, right? It's called the butterfly effect. I just learned about it. I was like, that's sweet. I was in Puerto Rico last week, and the guy's talking about a butterfly effect. And I'm like, what's that? I Google it, right? Because I didn't understand it. But it's just it, the example. It's, a, it's saying one small, one small flap of a wing can, have, can cause something profound to happen. And so that's what I believe. That's my alarm to wrap it up. Um... And so I believe that decision for a lot of you guys today is to know Jesus, right? Some of you guys have maybe been on the, I don't know, but I be- this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus is calling you by name. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything you've done, and he still loves you, right? So for some of you guys today, that small decision, that small decision is saying yes to Jesus, for others of you who maybe know Jesus, but you've kind of been in a just like a lukewarm spot, right? You kind of just been like, well, yeah, I know about Jesus. My parents have told me, or I heard other people about Jesus, or you know, like Ricky Bobby, baby Jesus, right? Like some of you guys, that wasn't funny. Right? <laughs> um, some of you guys are. Uh, it's just one. It's just a small decision, right? And that's what I'm saying. Some of you guys just to know Jesus. Some of you guys just say, hey, I want more of Jesus. Man, my mouth. All right. So, amen. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do a spoken word for you guys, and it's just it's a it's one that I've said before, but I pray that God opens your hearts and your ears to hear it, and uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So. I'm going to get one more drink of this. So it's this. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And he showers you with his grace. So embrace this race which he's called you to run. He calls you his son, his good son and daughter. You've been adopted by your heavenly father. Abba, Shabba, the same God who walked on water, who split the seas and made giants and walls fall. You have a call. And he's calling you by name. You'll go from Saul to Paul. He'll put mud in your eyes and say, Ephatha, which means be open. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. And you've called us to be in one accord. And it's not like Oliver Twist saying, please, sir, can I have some more? Because God is more than good enough to give you what you need. So why are we worried about what we'll eat or what we'll drink? Because he says they'll take care of the birds of the air. So rise up on wings like eagles. And so let me give you this 30,000 foot view. And it's simply saying, Jesus loves you. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. He just loves you just the way you're, you are. 
He truly does. And God's knocking on your heart. It's your heartbeat. Think about it. That's God. He's saying, I love you. He just loves you. And so let's have everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. All right, hey, so as we, as we wrap up, I feel like God's knocking on some of your guys' hearts, and he's saying, I love you, right? And he's saying, hey, I want a relationship with you, right? So if some of you want to make Jesus king of your life, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. All right. And for other of you guys who want more of Jesus in your life, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Awesome. Hallelujah. All right. So we're just going to go through a quick prayer. And you can say the first part with me, and then I'm going to bless you guys. All right. So put your hands out like this, like you're receiving a gift, because it's the best gift you've ever received. And you just say, Jesus, Jesus. I love you. I love you. Be king of my life. Be king of my life. That's it. Simple. Jesus loves you. I'm going to pray over you guys and bless you guys. So, dearly Father God, we thank you for every decision in this room to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we seal every, every single one of these decisions in your name. And I, would, I just want to pray over some of the people who struggle with mental illness and struggle with lies and feeling like they're not good enough. And some of those people who want to take their lives. We just command a complete healing over their minds and over their hearts right now. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and fill every single person up here right now. We thank you for what you're doing in every single person's lives, no matter where they're at. We love them. And that love will transform them for the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you.